That's wonderful. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 21 while they're receiving the offering. I have really been blessed today. I tell you, the praise and worship has been awesome with Dave and with Daniel. Both have just been tremendous. Heard some great, great testimonies. I thought Arthur was special today. That was really good. Man, I was visiting with some of our staff over here uh, this afternoon, and they were just telling me what it was like when they came to Bible college. And they came expecting to receive from me, and then they said, it just keeps getting better and better. And they had Barry come in. Then they had Arthur come in. And then they have all of these different instructors, and they said, it just is absolutely phenomenal. Did you know a, a one person could not have put together this staff that we've got? I don't think you could have made it happen. It is just absolutely God that is doing something bigger than any of us here. And I am so thankful for what God is doing. It's just a privilege to be a part of it. You know, I had a vision when I was in South Africa, and I've shared this with some people, but the first 20 years of Jamie in my life is like we were... I had this vision when I was in... When I say vision, it wasn't like an open vision. This is just a picture that I saw in my mind. I was thinking back over things. Actually, I was sitting on this deck and I was just, I'd been studying the word and I got to just looking out and praising God and thanking him for how good he was. And when I look back at my computer, my screensaver came on and it was actually a picture from Vietnam. And I remember taking that picture and I took it through a bunker. You could see the bunker and we were on a mountaintop and it was above the clouds. And so it was just clouds with just a few mountaintops sticking out. It was a beautiful picture And I remember taking that picture, and it was when I was in Vietnam just thinking, God, where is my life going? And it got me to thinking back about, you know, how God's answered my prayers and what has happened. And I had this mental image of Jamie and me pushing this boulder, this round boulder, up a steep incline. And it was like it was so hard to do that if we stopped we would have lost our momentum and that thing would have rolled back on us. And I mean, we had to keep pushing it or die. (laughs) And we did that for like 20 years. And then we hit kind of a plateau. And in my mind, I was relating this to when we started on television. When I started on television, I mean, things that used to just be so hard and it would take me years and years. All of a sudden, we just started having supernatural Response And the Lord spoke to me just six months before we went on television and told me I was just beginning to do what he called me to do, that if I'd have died before that time, I'd have missed his will for my life. So all of those 31 years prior was preparation. And so anyway, when we started on television, it's like we hit this level spot and we were still pushing this boulder, but now it wasn't near as hard. And you could actually take a breather every once in a while without the thing rolling back on you. And then I saw us cresting the hill and going down the other side. And now the boulder was going so fast, we had to run to keep up with it. And that's where I feel that we are right now. Things are just happening that it's like, it's hard for me to keep up with everything that God's doing. No longer am I having to uh, do anything of effort. And so anyway, I was just thinking back on all of this and I saw that picture and it is just absolutely supernatural what God is doing. It is just the Lord, and I am so thankful for what God is doing. I feel so privileged that he's letting me do it. There's so many more people qualified. If I was God, I don't think I'd have chosen me, but I'm sure glad he did. 
Amen. All right, so we've been talking about praise, and I spent last night and this morning basically just talking about how praise affects you and how beneficial it is to you and to the people around you. And to summarize it, basically, praise is a, uh, an automatic part of faith. It says, yet believing, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, yet believing we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So if you aren't rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory, you aren't in faith. Faith rejoices. And so praise forces you to look beyond the physical things that are happening and focus on the future and on the promises of God and on the spiritual realm instead of the physical realm. I am not denying that we have problems. I am not in denial that problems exist and that every one of us had bad things happen. But I am in denial that that is all that there is and that you have to fall apart like a $2 suitcase because bad things happen to you. You can go beyond those things and you can put your faith in the Lord. And if you do that, you can rejoice in the Lord always, just like the scripture says. And this morning I was showing that it says that we're supposed to see things that cannot be seen. And this is what faith is. And the reason that people are up up and down in their emotions and they don't feel like they have anything to praise God for is because their life is based on tangible, physical things. They have to have success in their business. They have to have money. They have to have their marriage going right. They have to have all of these natural things. And I'm telling you, it is dangerous to make your joy and your peace dependent upon natural things. Even though sometimes we have a good life and you have finances and stuff, if nothing else, did you know that someday we're all going to get old? And if the Lord doesn't come back in our physical lifetime, then you know what? You're going to be past your peak sometime. You aren't going to be as strong and virile as you once thought you were. And if nothing else... Did you know if your confidence and your joy and your peace is just based in yourself and what you can do, you are going to start seeing that diminish over a period of time. I know most people don't like to think about this. You know why you don't? Because your joy and your peace is all based in yourself and you don't want to uh, admit that you're mortal and that you are not going to be here forever and that you, you just somehow or another think it's not going to be true. When I first started ministering, one of the places that I ministered was in nursing homes. And I, I, it was good for me because I saw people that at one time were the movers and the shakers of society, and yet they got old and kicked to the curb. And it was sad. I remember this one woman who was a Methodist pastor's wife, and at 80-something, she was 89 years old, she still was impeccable in the way she dressed. Her hair was always fixed. You could tell she was a classy lady, but she would sit there and cry all day long. And I just specifically would go up and minister to this woman every time I went into the nursing homes. And she would nearly every time say, I used to be envied by people. I used to be somebody special. People used to want my company. And she was bewailing those days because, see, her confidence, her satisfaction, her ego was built in the fact that she was wanted by people. But when she got older, her kids put her in this nursing home and they never came and saw her. She never had a visitor. I was the only visitor this woman had. And I just saw that, man, 
All of these things. Most people would have envied this woman and have thought she was somebody special. But you know what? There came a day that all that was gone. But man, that is so contrary to the way that it is with the Lord. If you can put your confidence in the Lord, you know the Lord gets sweeter every single day. And man, at the end of your life, you could be like the Apostle Paul saying, I'm having a, a, you know, a hard time choosing whether I should go to be with the Lord or whether I should stay here for you. You can go out with a shout. You could go out praising God. And regardless whether your body begins to wane or not, your mind can be as sharp. You can be praising God. You could be glorifying God, but it's only if you have put your confidence and strength in the Lord. And most of us are strong in ourself. We lean unto our own understanding. We have joy in our own accomplishments, and that is shaky ground. There is coming a shaking, and I can guarantee you, if your confidence is in yourself, you're going to fall. And if your emotions are up and down, then this is what causes it. And I know that that's a hard word and some people think, well, you just aren't dealing with reality. Well, it just depends whose reality. I'm dealing with the reality that I see in the Word of God. And I believe that there's so many examples of this. Anyway, I could just go on and preach and preach and preach on that. So here is the 21st chapter of the book of Matthew. This is Jesus' last entry into Jerusalem. It's what's called the triumphant entry. And when he came in, uh, the people begin to sing and cry, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, because they had just seen Lazarus raised from the dead. There was hundreds of people there. They went into the city and began to broadcast it, and everybody heard about a man who had been dead for four days, who was raised from the dead, came out of the tomb wrapped in grave clothes, And they wrapped his legs together, and yet he came to the front of the tomb. He not only was resurrected, but he was translated there. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. It was miraculous. And because of this, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, the whole world had gone after him, is what the scribes and the Pharisees said. And so in Matthew chapter 21 and in verse um, 10... It says, and when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came unto him in the temple, and he healed them. Now, I I skipped the part where they were putting their clothes in the way and throwing palm branches down, but that was right before it. And it says in verse uh, 15, And when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. You know, let me just stop here before I go on, that whenever people truly worship God and praise God, people that don't love God, that don't put the same value on God will always be offended. You know, all a fanatic is, is a person that's closer to God than you are. That's what a fanatic is. 
And when you see somebody who's passionate about God, those that aren't as passionate will always criticize it because it puts pressure on them. Like this person is proclaiming, they're demonstrating, projecting that they love God more than I do. And a, and a proud person will not like that. They won't want to feel that way. And rather than them change and worship God more, they will just criticize other people. And this is exactly what the scribes and the Pharisees did. They were offended that the people were praising Jesus. And you know what it really comes down to? It comes down to pride. They wanted the acclaim of the people. Jesus even revealed this. He said that the scribes and the Pharisees want all of this attention of man and they wear these long robes and they blow trumpets in front of them when they pray and they do all of these things and they do it to be seen of men and to have their praise. And when the praise was going to Jesus instead of to them, they got offended. And so they came to him and um, it says they were displeased and in verse 16, and he says unto them, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have ye never, never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. And he left them and went into the city, unto Bethany, and he lodged there. And in the other accounts, this is recorded in, I think, uh, three of the Gospels. One of them says, if these should hold their peace, the very rocks would cry out. You know, I built a trail on my property that's three miles long round trip. And there's a rock there that's just like it was sheared off. It's got a flat face. And I wrote on there, if you don't, I will. <laughs> and every time I walk down that trail, I just go, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. No rock's going to do what I'm supposed to do. And I praise God every time I go down there. But he said, he says, haven't you ever read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. You know, look over in Psalms chapter 8. This is where he was quoting from. And in Psalms chapter 8, in verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth and babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. And so Jesus quoted this verse, but he changed two words. And of course, it's not that he misquoted it. He was just expounding on it. The Bible is a commentary upon itself. And when you find scriptures that are quoting the same thing, they're both inspired of God. You put them together and it gives you a better understanding of what's being said. So over here in Matthew chapter 21 and in verse 16, he says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected Praise Over in Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength. So he changed ordained strength to perfected praise. And as you put this together, here's one of the things that you can learn about praise. That praise is strength. Praise is strong. Not only to you, but when you are resisting the devil. It is a tool against the devil. Over here in Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, it goes on to say in that verse, Thou hast perfected praise or ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. 
Praise is strength specifically against your enemy to stop the enemy and the avenger. Man, it's a weapon. Praise is a weapon. And you know, when you're under attack and when you have all of these pressures coming against you, praise is one of the most powerful things that you can possibly do. And yet it seems to be that just in the natural, it's one of the last things that you want to do. You don't want to praise God, but I'm telling you, praise is a powerful weapon. Just for time's sake, I'm not going to turn over there, but I'll make reference to this in uh, Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. If you were to read those two passages, they are talking about Satan and they're giving us instruction about the devil. And especially Ezekiel chapter 28 describes Satan in the Garden of Eden. And it says he was in the Garden of Eden. He was perfect. He had all of these gems gold, sapphire, rubies, carbuncles and things in him. And it says that his tabrets and his pipes were prepared in him in the day that he was created. You know, it's kind of awkward the way that that's stated, but I've read a number of commentaries about this. And the consensus of most people is that Satan was a musical uh, being that actually was the praise and worship leader in heaven led all of the praise and worship. And he had musical instruments, pipes and tabrets in his body. His body, he was able to make music and praise God. You know, we picture the devil as this thing with the red horns and the red suit and tail and pitchfork, but I don't believe God created anything like that. I believe Satan was actually a beautiful, or I don't know if beautiful is the right word, but a strong angel and had all of these awesome things until he sinned. And then you put that together with Isaiah chapter 14. And in Isaiah chapter 14, it even uses, I think it's verse 12, the name Lucifer. It's talking about the king of Babylon and the prince of Tyrus over in Ezekiel chapter 28. But actually it's just using that as a name. It's talking about the demonic power that was operating through these earthly powers. And in uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, it mentions Lucifer. And there it specifically says, here's what he said. He says, I will sit on the sides of the north. I will ascend into the heavens. I will be like the most high God. Satan didn't hate God. Satan envied God. And all of this worship, you know, there's many scriptures that show this, but Revelation chapter 4 shows that right now in heaven, there is constant praise going on around the throne. And they are worshiping the Lord 24 hours a day. The living creatures just worship him constantly. I assume it was that way in the beginning when Lucifer was running this thing. And all of this praise and glory was going to God. Lucifer was the one who was orchestrating it. And he got jealous of God. He didn't dislike the things of God. He was jealous of God. He wanted to be like God. And so he tried to ascend and exalt his throne above God. And of course, we know it didn't work. He's been beaten. But here, the reason I bring all of this out is to say that I believe Lucifer, Satan, has always been jealous of God. And he wants the praise and worship that goes to God to be directed towards him. Now, here's some andiology. I know many of you won't agree with me, and so you're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. Amen? But 
I'm just not going to make a major issue out of this, but here's my personal belief. I believe that, you know, like Christmas, Easter, and all of these kind of things, every time you see anything that comes out about worshiping the Lord, thanking God for him coming to the earth and doing things, Satan will always raise up a counterpart, a fat man in a red suit to give people a diversion because he just can't stand people doing nothing but praising God. And so he'll talk about Santa Claus and he'll raise these things up to divert people and they, people get so excited about the gifts and they aren't as excited about worshiping the Lord. At Easter, he's got an Easter bunny and they hide Easter eggs and they do all of these things. I actually believe it's inspired by the devil. Thank you for those two amens. You could go back into history, and I believe verify this, that the Catholic Church basically came in and converted the Druids and stuff, and they had the uh, festivals around the Yule Log and the Soltis, Winter Soltis and stuff like this, and they had these big celebrations, and the Catholics were losing their converts going back to the pagan practices, and so they put Christmas there to kind of counteract it, and there's always, it, it had its origins in demonic stuff. And then the Easter bunny having eggs. You know, as far as I know, bunnies don't have eggs in the first place. But, man, they would take this away from the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. This is the reason that as far as holidays, I actually like Thanksgiving better than any other holiday because it was started to just recognize God is your source to give him thanksgiving. And there hasn't been, well, I guess there is a counter to it. It's football. <laughs> but at least they don't have something that, that they substitute. So anyway, I just believe that Satan hates the worship of God so much because it's reminding him of what he's always wanted and he's never gotten and Satan is an absolute egomaniac that it's all about him. He hates God. He hates God getting the credit. And when you go to praising God, it just drives him insane. And again, I could take more scriptures and show you this, but you can find that Elisha was inquired by Jehoshaphat and uh, I think it was Ahab or either his son, uh, Ahaziah. I think it was Ahab. But anyway... They were in a battle and it looked like that they were going to die of thirst. And so they called for Elisha and he says, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, who is a godly person being here, he says, I wouldn't even ask of God. But he called for a minstrel. And as the minstrel began to play, then the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he prophesied and told him to dig ditches. And then in the morning, water just came in the desert and filled these ditches. And not only did it satisfy their thirst, but all of the enemy, as they came over the hill and saw the sun rising, they saw the water turn red. They thought that all of the people had killed each other and they ran in there and the Israelites were able to defeat them. So they not only got their needs met, but they defeated the enemy. And all of that happened because of, through praise and worship, the anointing of God, the gifts of the Spirit began to flow. David, of course, played with the harp and the evil spirit left Saul and things. You know, when we praise God in a service, it's a tradition. We just nearly always come together, but it's scriptural tradition. There are some traditions that are good. 
Psalms 100, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. We're commanded to do this. And I believe that the logic behind it is that when we come together like this, you come together and you have things that you've been dealing with. You've had a hard day. You got all of these different things going and praise and worship if it's done correctly. And let me just put a little parenthesis here that most or much praise and worship isn't done correctly. I believe it's just glorifying the devil, begging God to come, which is stupid. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us and God, that doesn't honor God and things like this. Most of the time, most praise and worship is trying to work something up and get God to do something instead of praising him for who he already is and what he's already done and just receiving from him what's already been done. But if it's done correctly, it just takes your attention off of yourself and off of the stuff that's happened to you and it puts your mind upon God all of the things I've been talking about praise, it makes you focus beyond your problems and beyond the things. It gets you into faith and it prepares your heart for the word, for the gifts of the spirit, for whatever else that God wants to do. So I think that this is one awesome tradition in the body of Christ is to come in and have praise and worship to prepare us for everything else that is going on. And so there's many scriptural examples of this. But if you understand it properly... I think the reason it's so strong and it stills the enemy and the avenger is because he just can't stand to see people praise God. He hates it. He's jealous. He's envious. Have you ever been around somebody who just wants to dominate the whole thing? Every time you get together, you're going to always have to talk about them. I'm not going to mention any names, but I could, I could name two people that have been that way with me this week. You're in this auditorium. <laughs> and there was other people standing around and it didn't matter. You were going to dominate. You were going to tell me everything about you and it was all about you and just promoting yourself and talking about yourself. And you know what? If you don't get to dominate the conversation and let everybody know how important you are, you aren't blessed. And if you ignore a person like that, they'll usually leave. You know why? Because it's all about them. And that's the way Satan is times a million. He just can't stand God to be worshiped. And when he afflicts you with something and you focus beyond the natural and you you go to worshiping God for what he's already done, you start looking at these intangible things and then you start taking the promises of God and seeing success instead of failure and using faith. It just infuriates the devil. The devil is carnal. He can't understand what's wrong with you. How can you not be bothered by these things that, you, that he's doing, it, it stills the enemy and the avenger. It just stops Satan in his track. When you are praising God, you are building yourself up. You're focusing beyond your problem. You're helping yourself get into faith. You are establishing your focus on the intangible things that can't be done. It just does wonderful things for you and everybody around you. And it drives the devil crazy. If there was no other reason, that would be a good enough reason to just praise God to punish the one who's caused us so much trouble. I tell you, Satan hurts when you praise God. 
It hurts the devil. It is a weapon. It's strength to still the enemy and the avenger. Praise is. Amen. Look over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 20, and let me use the example here of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, second, what did I say? Second Chronicles, did I say Corinthians? Second Chronicles chapter 20. In verse one, it says, and it came to pass after this that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites, and it actually says later in this chapter, it was the children of Mount Seir, which is Edom's descendant, I mean Esau's descendants, Edom, came against Jerusalem to battle. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude uh, against thee from beyond the sea on this side uh, Syria, and behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is Engadi, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name saying, if when evil comes upon us, even the sword, judgment, per, uh, pestilence, famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. This is Jehoshaphat in a sense saying, God, you're responsible for this because you wouldn't let us destroy these people. So these, this, this problem exists because you wouldn't let us conquer these people. So he's saying, God, this is your problem. He says, behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast, out, cast us out of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. You know, he is expressing the hopelessness of his situation, but he says, our eyes are upon thee. That's important. Even though he saw the problem, he was beginning to focus beyond the problem. He was looking beyond it and saying, God, you promised us that you could overcome this. And if when we were invaded, if we would pray in this place, that you would overcome it. So he was lifting up his eyes beyond just looking at the physical situation. He didn't deny that it exists, but he looked beyond it. And it's, it's what we were talking about. He was beginning to praise God and focusing upon the intangible things, the promises of God. And he says, our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of somebody else and of all these other people, a Levite, <laughs> of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord 
in the midst of the congregation and he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and now King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord will be with you. Man, that's awesome. This is a prophet standing up. But you know, when we read this in the Bible and you go on and read the rest of the story, we sometimes don't realize what a miracle this was. They were outnumbered two or three to one. And they didn't have a silver bullet. They didn't have an atomic bomb that would equal the thing. This was back when it was hand-to-hand combat. And you know what? They were just grossly outnumbered. And the situation hadn't changed. Even though the prophet had spoken his word, did you know that the armies were still coming? They were still outnumbered. It took faith on Jehoshaphat's part and these people's part. See, they were looking beyond the physical things. They were looking on the word of God that came through a prophet. And basically, the way that we would apply this today was that when they got into an impossible situation... The word of God came to them and they believed the word and they honored the word of God more than what they saw. Did you know if you honored the word of God more than what you were seeing and thinking with your physical mind, I guarantee you, you would praise God in every situation. Because before you ever had the problem, God had already created the answer. He's already created the supply. The supply is always greater than the need. And if we really believed God's words, you would rejoice in every single situation. Thank you for those couple of amens. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, thus saith the Lord. That verse says that every weapon that comes against you, you have to condemn. You have to take your authority and say no. You know, I was talking to a man before the service who had a nurse pronounce over him sugar diabetes and say that you'll never get over it. This is incurable. And when they said it, he said, no, I reject that. And guess what? He's healed. Amen? Was that you right here? I forgot your name, but this is the guy right here. And he said, no, and you're healed. Are you doing good? But you know what? Most people respect the word of a doctor more than they respect the word of God. And you wouldn't dare sit there and tell a doctor no. It's true. I had a doctor tell me I was going to have to go get another check. It's a long story. But anyway, he says, you're going to probably go in the hospital and we'll do open heart surgery on you today. And I just looked at him and said, that's a lie. (laughs) And anyway, that doctor wasn't used to people telling him that was a lie. And I got on his case and he kicked me out of his office. 
But you know what? I didn't have open heart surgery. That's been, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. I've never had a problem and it turned out this guy was all wet and wrong. But you know what? Most people won't stand up to a doctor. You won't stand up even to the people you see on TV that say there's a recession. The bottom's falling out. It's all over. And you'll just drink the Kool-Aid and go right along with it. The Bible says no weapon, no weapon formed against you. That means physical, mental, emotional, financial, nothing formed against you will prosper, but it's conditional on you condemning it. And most of us won't condemn it. Most of us, if the doctor was to speak a negative thing over you, you just cave. You accept it. We don't understand the goodness of God. We aren't focused on the word of God. We're looking at the problem. I'm telling you, you've got to go beyond this problem. If you are going to just live as a mere human being, if you go around singing, Lord, I'm only human, I'm just a man, then you are going to be sick and poor and diseased and messed up. You aren't just a man. One third of you is wall to wall Holy Ghost. You've been born again. You got the spirit of God on the inside of you. God has promised you. There are words that have come to you that are just as sure as this prophecy that came to Jehoshaphat and the people. The only thing is that when the prophecy came, the armies didn't disappear. They were still there. And you know what? It took faith for them to believe the word of God instead of believe what they saw but they were able to do it. If they were able to do it in the Old Testament without being born again and without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then I tell you what, we could do it. You can believe. You can get to where you believe the Word of God more than what you see with your eyes and more than those physical circumstances. And so here's what they did in verse um, 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. I was saying that if you really believe, worship will be the byproduct. If there isn't worship, you didn't really believe. These people fell down on their face and began to worship the Lord. You know why? Because they believed the prophet. And there was no basis for this in the natural. Did you know if this was to happen to us today, and I mean, we were facing some overwhelming force and it looked like the United States was going to be destroyed. And if somehow or another we could get everybody together and we were all praying, what would happen if somebody stood up and gave a prophecy? Don't worry, God is going to intervene. I guarantee you there would be so many skeptics. There would be so many people that would, you know, just say, well, what does that mean? That's just a person saying this. How do you know God spoke through them? How do you, is there any guarantee that this is going to work? There wasn't any guarantee for these people. They just believed God. They fell on their face and began to worship. Worship is a powerful, powerful, powerful force. You need to be praising God in the midst of your problems. You can't do it if all you think that is re real is that problem. If, if your vision stops right there with the physical realm, then you just can't praise God because it looks like death, it looks like defeat, it looks like failure. 
But if you can get into faith and look beyond those physical things and see the promises of God and see all of these things coming to pass, then I guarantee you, you will begin to worship. If you aren't worshiping, if you aren't praising God, I don't care what your situation is, you can whitewash it, but you don't believe God. You aren't believing these promises. We have more promises, more sure word of promises than these things that were spoken right here. And you've got a promise for whatever situation you're in. There is an antidote for whatever your problem is. And if you would believe it, you would begin to worship. Amen. Amen. And so they worshiped the Lord. In verse 19, and the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and all of the children of the, uh, whoever they are, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. You know what? The singers immediately begin to come in and praise God. Praise God for anointed singers. Man, I tell you, we've had some awesome praise and worship during this thing. It's awesome. There are people that are anointed by God to just help bring us into the presence of God and get our minds off of things. And you know what? Jehoshaphat, the king, fell on his knees and began to worship the Lord. It was contagious. The other people began to do it, and then the singers got involved. I guarantee it was an awesome service. And they began to worship the Lord. And look at this. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Israel, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Man, what a great thing for a king to say. And he was saying, basically, trust in the word of God. Trust this messenger of God. You know why he said that? Because those people, you know, they might have had the excitement of the moment, but then the next morning when it actually comes out to facing these three armies that came against them, I can guarantee you some of them were probably having second thoughts. Some of them were probably thinking, you know what? We're still less than them. They're more than us. We're still walking towards each other. And in the natural, it looked like failure. And the king was encouraging them to just stand and believe God. You know, I've talked to a couple of people who came here to be healed. And they came here believing God. And they got prayer. And some of them are a little bit better, but they still have a problem. One of them I talked to got worse. And I said, this is just like Jesus when he commanded the devil to come out of that demon-possessed boy. He fell on the ground and it looked like he was dead. That's not bad. That's really good when you pray for somebody and they get worse. I know some of you don't understand that, but that's the devil. He knows he's coming out and he's just throwing everything he's got planned at you for a year, two years in advance, trying to get you to be more moved by what you see and what you feel than you are by what you believe. And many people will cave to that. But if you would just go beyond that and say, this is actually good. We flushed him out into the open. This stuff's coming out of me, praise God. I'm not going home the same. Man, if you would just keep praising God. See, this is what Jehoshaphat's trying to do. He's trying to keep their faith from wavering. So the next day, he's saying, trust the Lord. Believe his prophets. So shall you prosper. And this is how you'll be established. This is what I'm trying to say to you tonight, that you need to trust the Word of God. You need to look at the Word of God instead of looking at the armies that are coming against you and the things coming against you. Go by what God's Word says. 
Don't look at your physical circumstances. Nothing in the natural had changed. But you know what? They were believing God. They were looking past that problem. And I tell you, when you get into praise, it is strength. It is power to still the enemy and the avenger. And so in verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they begin to sing and to praise, notice some things here. He put the singers in front of the army. He didn't put the people with the swords and the arrows. He put the people with the musical instruments. He put the singers, the choir, to go out and fight the battle. You know what? If you are a praiser, you are on the front lines. He put the singers in front, and it says here, that when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, when, it didn't happen before. This didn't happen the night before. It didn't happen early in the morning. This happened when they began to sing because singing, praise, is strength to still the enemy and the avenger. When they began to pray, sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir uh, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Amen. This is what happens when you go past your physical things and you look and see God's provision, and then you trust him. And when you begin to start praising God, at the exact moment that you start praising God, God will destroy your enemy. It's strength and power against the enemy. It will stop your problems. Praise will stop sickness. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 there's just a lot of dynamics going on here. But when you praise God, praise will stop sickness in your life. Praise will stop poverty. Praise will stop all kinds of things. Whatever Satan has formed against you, you take your authority, you speak to it. This isn't all you do. But I guarantee you, you should be praising God and using it like a weapon and praising God for your answer. If the doctor has told you you're going to die... You know what? Your tendency is to sit there and think about, I'm going to die. Wonder about what your funeral is going to be like, whether your kids and wife will be able to survive, and you get to thinking negatively like that. And you know what that does? That amplifies your problem and actually helps it dominate you. But if you say, I'm going to praise God, I'm going to use this praise, you can't sit there and say, 
Thank you, Father, that I'm going to die. Thank you that my insurance policy lapsed and that my kids are going to go without, and I don't know how they're going to make That's not praise. <laughs> if you determine you're going to praise God, it forces you to get your mind off of the negative and start looking at the answer and looking at the Word of God. It will force you to go and say, well, according to Psalms 118, I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. By his stripes I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. It'll cause you to go to the Word and find somebody who is healed of the exact same thing you're dealing with and start focusing on that instead of focusing on all of the negative things. It'll start focusing, it'll make you focus on Matthew 21 down here where it says all things are possible to him that believes that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. By his stripes you were healed, and on and on and on. And it'll make you focus on the positive things. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. It'll make you focus on the word. I'm telling you, praise is a powerful, powerful force. And I am just amazed at how people don't use this. It's available. There's not a single person in here that can't praise God. There might be people in here that don't praise God, don't want to praise God, but the truth is every single one of us can do this. Every single one of you can. There's no exception to this. And if anybody says, well, I hadn't got anything to praise God for, well, just come up here and bend over and let me give you a good swift kick, amen. (laughs) Then you can praise God that... I won't kick you a second time. I just don't have a lot of patience for people that think that they don't have anything good going on in their life. Man, we are so blessed. Most people on the face of the earth would love to have your problems. You know, I was just in Uganda and the guy who drove our vehicle in, his name was Moses. And I think he'd only been born again for three months or something like that, wasn't it? It was just three or four months. And this guy's name was Moses. And he used to be the Muslim in his village that enforced all of the people who were Muslims. They couldn't convert. If they converted, he was the one that beat them or killed them or did all of this. And I mean, it was strict and it was harsh. And he got converted to Christianity. He had only been born again for about three or four months. And his father-in-law heard about it. And his father-in-law lived a long ways off in another Village And his father-in-law came and got his wife and four kids and took them. And he'll probably never see them again unless God does a miracle. He took them away. You know, that's a bad situation. And Moses was just praising God about how awesome it was, how God had changed his life, how wonderful life was. And I mean, this guy was just so in love with God and praising God. And yet, he's had a situation that would just devastate most people. You know what? He was valuing his salvation, recognizing the good, thanking God that, praise God, he was headed to hell. Now he's headed to heaven. And regardless of what that cost in this life, that is is worth more than anything else. There's nothing that compares with that. Nothing. That's the proper attitude. And for people here with all of our advantages and everything and can't find anything to praise God for, it is not our circumstances that's a problem. It's your focus. It's the way you're looking at things. 
It's the fact that we have placed value on so many things outside of Jesus. And we value so many other things. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a wife and kids and shouldn't have prosperity and enjoy them. They're blessings of God. But I am saying you shouldn't make that something that if you didn't have it, you couldn't survive. You have placed too much value on these natural things. You need to recognize that God needs to be the source of everything. He ought to be the only thing that you have to have to truly prosper and survive. Amen? That's absolutely true. And man, if we understood this, we can use praise as a weapon against the devil. It, all of the good things that it does for you is tremendous. And to me, that's actually more important. But I also recognize that praise is strength to still the enemy and the avenger. And if Satan is just running roughshod over me, I can guarantee you it's because I hadn't been praising God. And so I'm going to start praising God. And Satan can't stand it. Satan will not stay around as you begin to praise God. So you know what? We need to be praising God. We ought to be thanking God. We ought to be glorifying God and not wait until you got a problem. Not wait until your boat's sinking before you start bailing. Man, you ought to just be praising God constantly. We have so much to be thankful for. And if we were praising God and living there, you know what? I believe it would keep Satan at bay. It's one of the best things you can do. Instead of waiting until he's already attacked you and nearly destroyed you, just start praising God and keep him at bay. Don't even give him access into your life. Amen. Brothers, I would love to see every person here get this revelation and go home and just be one thankful, happy person that praises God for the sunset, for the sunrise, for the birds. Thank you for a beautiful day. We had an awesome day today. Did any of you thank the Lord for the day today? Isn't that awesome? We need to be praising God. And if you're going through a day and if it's a blizzard and if it was 20 below out, well, then you know what? Just focus on the intangible things and praise God that it doesn't stay this way all of the time. Amen. And you can find something to praise God about in any situation. And if you just chose to focus on the good and always, always, always find something good to praise God over, I guarantee you it just, it doesn't, it doesn't build an atmosphere for the devil to work in. Satan loves these negative attitudes and this depression and discouragement. You know, I'm taking a little bit of liberty with Scripture here, but the, Paul said, we are a sweet savor unto God. And that may have been nothing but totally symbolic. It may have only been a metaphor. I don't know. But let's just suppose that it was literal. Let's just suppose that when you are praising God, that it is a sweet aroma. There's a number of scriptures that talk about that their prayers ascended like incense into heaven. I'm not sure if there is, you know, in the spiritual realm, such things as smells and things like that. But anyway, it's used in a metaphor in scripture. 
And he says, we are a sweet savor unto God and our praises ascend unto God. Well, if all of that be true, then you know what? Every time you are negative and griping and complaining and discouraged, you are putting out an odor just like dung. And I've read some stuff that, you know, some of these flies and things, they can smell things up to two and three miles away. And they are attracted to these smells. And there's a reason that you find dung, that you find all of these insects and flies and all of this kind of stuff. Did you know in the spiritual realm, when you get negative and griping and complaining, you attract every demon in your county towards you. They are just going around sniffing and looking for something like that. And when you get depressed and discouraged, I guarantee you every demon within a certain radius is headed for you because of the odor that you're putting out. Again, whether that's a metaphor or not, I don't know, but it sure is a great word picture. Some of you stink to high heaven. You need to change that. You may, you may not be able to change your circumstance, but you can sure change the stink that you have. Amen. You can stop from stinking. You can start praising God and putting forth this praise unto God and worship. And I tell you what, it draws the power of God. The anointing of God comes. Man, this is powerful. If you don't understand, if you've never known what I was talking about tonight, this ought to change your whole focus. You know, I also got my reports this evening on the Internet, and when I turned it on, there was this thing that came up about some uh, medical guy who uh, said that you can rewire your brain. Anyway, I clicked on it and looked, and this guy is, he's saying that your brain is constantly changing, that it's constantly being reprogrammed, and the woman that was interviewing him says, but what about people that have depression and stuff? He says, that is absolutely a crock. He says, all you got to do is instead of letting your feelings and emotions dominate you, use your brain and say, I don't want to be this way and change. And he's saying it from a secular medical point of view. And he says, you can overcome any feeling. You can overcome any discouragement. Instead of letting your brain dominate you, you dominate your brain and your emotions. And that's a lost man saying this. The word of God gives us a command that the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And on and on the scriptures go. I'm telling you, brothers, you if you got hold of this message, if you understand the power of praise to change you and also affect the devil, then all you got to do is go out of here and just begin to start practicing this and doing it. And I guarantee you, it'll break bondages. It'll break chains over you. It'll stop Satan in his tracks. It'll cause healing to come. It'll cause deliverance to come. All of these kind of things. It's up to you. Every one of you have a mouth and breath. And the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's your choice. 
This is what the Word says. I believe that God has delivered a word to you. It wasn't me standing up here with my eyes closed saying, Thus saith the Lord. But I quoted Scripture to you and I explained it. And you know what? This is a word for you just as surely as Jehoshaphat had a prophet stand up and say, Don't be afraid of these people. Don't be dismayed. You aren't even going to have to fight. All you got to do is just praise. And they humbled themselves and believed, and because of it, they saw victory. God has delivered a word to you tonight. And if you would humble yourself and believe the word of God, you could overcome whatever problem is in your life. You know, when Jamie and I were just getting started, we were in Seagoville, Texas. And I pastored a little church of about 12 people. Normally, we had five to six people show up. And we met five times a week. And three of those people, well, two of those people were me, and I had an associate pastor. That was funny. Church of six people, and I had an associate pastor. So counting, his, counting him and his wife and Jamie and me, we were always four of the five or six that showed up. The largest crowd we ever had was 12, and we met five times a week for two years. And anyway, because of that, did you know, I didn't, I wasn't ministering to enough people to have a living. And so we were starving to death. And this is when Jamie was uh, pregnant. When she was eight months pregnant, we would go two and three weeks without food. And when I say without food, nothing but water, nothing crossing our lips. And we were having to stand and believe that our baby was still going to be healthy. We didn't have anything. My total income the first 12 months Jamie and I was married was $1,253, and we had a $100 a month rent. Go figure how you do that. The second year, we jumped up to $2,500. So we had $3,700 in 24 months, the first. And anyway, this is the way we were living. And we had to come up with $600 to pay for Joshua, our first son, being born. And we were uh, three weeks before we had to have that money and I didn't have one penny. And it had just overwhelmed me and discouragement and depression was, I mean, we hadn't been eating, much less paying our rent, much less paying the $600 to the doctors. And you know what? I was just looking at the problem and I was discouraged. And we had such a small group on a Wednesday night that we didn't even go to the church building. We just went over to a lady's house and I think there was like four or five people and they wanted me to minister. And I said, look, I, don't, I can't minister to anybody. I need you to minister to me. And I was asking them for help. I said, would somebody please help us? And they didn't take me seriously because I was always so strong and believing God and preaching the word. And they just thought, oh, you're kidding or something. And I told them, I said, I'm not ministering. So anyway, we sat down and we turned on the television and we watched the 700 Club. That was going to be our church service. And Kenneth Copeland was on. And he was preaching from 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And he was preaching victory and that it always works. And I was sitting there, I didn't say this out loud, but I was sitting there thinking, Kenneth, I've preached the exact same thing and I've tried and it didn't work. And at, at that time, Kenneth said, don't tell me this doesn't work. 
I mean, it's like he heard my thoughts. And I just looked at him. He says, it always works. There isn't any exception. And I said, well, I tried. I was saying this on the inside. I said, I tried. And he says, that's the problem. You're trying instead of just doing it. He says, just do it. And every thought I had, he countered every single thought. God led him so supernaturally that after five minutes, I just was determined, God, this was you speaking to me. And did you know, nothing changed in the natural. We didn't have any money. We still didn't eat. We went home, didn't eat that night. Nothing changed in the natural except I started believing what 1 John 5, 4 said, and I started praising God. I didn't feel like it, but I started praising God because that would be the reaction if you had believed it. And so I started just going through the motions and turned out that Joshua came two weeks early, which was only two days after this. And did you know that I think it was the day before he was born, I did a Bible study and they gave me 600 and something dollars, which back then I was getting $10, $20 anytime I ministered. And I got $600. And when we went into the hospital, I had the money and paid that bill. And that morning, after Joshua was born at like five in the morning. Jamie's water broke at like three o'clock or no, it was after that three thirty or something. And anyway, after Joshua was born, we'd been up all night long. And so I decided to go home and get some rest. And I didn't have enough gas to get back. And I don't encourage anybody else to do this, but I'm just saying desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> Amen. And I was out of money. I didn't have any money and I didn't have any gas and I couldn't get home. And so I called, I pulled into a service station and I sat there for a while and I thought, I'm going to fill this car up. And I just filled the car up with gas. I, I pumped the gas and I didn't know what I was going to do. And so after I pumped the gas, I went in and was just going to tell them what I did. And I said, I'm sorry, but I don't have any money. <laughs> and I didn't have a credit card. Some of you think, well, you could have put it on your credit. We didn't have credit cards. And so I just walked in to tell the guy that I'm sorry. When I got in there, there was a guy who knew me. I hadn't seen him in years, but he knew me. And he says, what are you doing here? Because I was supposed to be over in Seagoville, Texas, but I was in Arlington, Texas. He says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, my son was just born this morning. I said, it's my firstborn. And I told him about it. He asked, and he said, well, here, let me just pay for your gas. I said, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> it was awesome. And you know, all of that came because I got a word from God and I didn't feel like it. It didn't look like it. And I just chose it. Praise God. I'm going to bless God. I'm going to start praising God. And I used it and it was strength. It stopped the devil. And in 48 hours time, all of this money that I'd been trying to believe for for nine months just came in and things worked. I'm telling you, brothers, there is no situation that you have that God isn't greater. There is not a problem that you have that God hasn't given you a word. And if you would humble yourself and believe that word instead of what you see and what you feel and start exerting some faith and praising God, it would build you up and it would stop the devil and praise God, you could see your miracle come to pass. Amen. I believe that without any exceptions. Amen. 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 So how many of you are going to do it? 
Amen. Well, let's stand up right now and let's worship God. Daniel, can I get you? Is it possible to get your guys up here and sing, um, which one? Bless the Lord. You know the one you did this morning? I really like that song. And you know, part of the things that I like about that, it says, whatever may pass and whatever goes before me, may I be singing when the day is done. You know what that is? That's a person saying that I'm going to praise God in spite of my circumstances. And it talks about old age and when your time to come, may I still, 10,000 reasons I'm going to still praise God. Let's just worship the Lord with this and take what we were talking about tonight. And regardless of what your situation is like, praise God, understanding that this will stop Satan in his tracks. And if you'll do this, you can be healed standing right there. You can be delivered. God will open up your heart. God will change the hurt and the pain. You can be delivered of the sadness and the grief. Things will happen for you right now. Amen? Let's do that. Come on, let's lift our voice. Hallelujah, let's lift our voice. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship Him. Let's sing it again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, worship When the sun comes up, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing. Come on, 10,000 reasons for my 
let's just worship the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we worship you. You are worthy of our praise. you are here with us tonight to empower our worship, that you inhabit the praises of your people. Father, thank you for our brothers that are here. Thank you for the strength that is in this room. You said where two or three are gathered together, there you are in the midst that one can put a thousand to flight, ten, two can put 10,000 to flight. Father, thank you for the power and the anointing that indwells us. Thank you that as we praise you that we condemn these things that Satan has done and we just speak deliverance over people. Thank you, Father, that people are being delivered from depression and discouragement and fear. Yes, Lord. You know, Lord, speaking to me right now that there was somebody who's been suicidal. I think it was quite a while in the past, but you've had those thoughts creeping back in. And God is delivering you from it right now. Man, this is over. You aren't going to live with it. Somebody has lived with thoughts of suicide for a long period of time. You're being delivered right now. You're great. What's on the inside of you is greater than that. That stuff's over. Over. Thank you, Jesus. I believe God is setting you free from that. Somehow or another, you've been trapped by that and you've managed it, but it's still there and it's tormenting you. It's over. It's over tonight. You're delivered of that. It's not coming back on you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if that's you, you need to be praising God right now and believing the word that has come forth. That thing's dead in your life. Amen. 
I believe that there's people here that have struggled financially because of the things going on. Maybe you've been out of a job or whatever. Right now, in the name of the Lord, I deliver a word to you that this is over. That you are getting a job. That you are beginning to prosper. That you are going to see supernatural provision come unto you. I believe that that is a word from God through me to you. And you know what? You need to believe God's prophets. So shall you prosper and be established. You need to believe this right now. and Just praise God and believe that it's so. Don't receive this as the word of a man, but receive it as it is in truth. The word of the Lord that lives and abides forever. And God is speaking prosperity to you. You're going to have money start coming unto you through unexpected ways. You're going to see prosperity come all kinds of ways. Thank you, Jesus. And there's some of you that have had problems in your marriage. And you know what? You can't, you can't cover your sins and prosper. If you are a part of this, you need to acknowledge it and quit blaming the other person. But if you will humble yourself and say, God, forgive me and receive this forgiveness that he's already provided for you. And if you would go back and begin to love your wife and do the things and begin to find the good things, if you would take this and begin to worship the Lord, I'm saying that this marriage can be healed. God can put this thing back together. He can make it better than it ever was before. You need to believe the word of the Lord and you need to trust him and begin to praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I want our prayer ministry team to come up here. And I had one guy come up to me tonight. And he wanted—he should have come down here last night for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he didn't do it. And he came up and asked, would I please give him another chance tonight? So you know what? Praise God for Jesus. There's always another chance. So if you didn't come forward for salvation or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these men are down here. Every one of them can help you to receive. And I want to give you an invitation to come. But you know, also, if you need healing in your body, somebody might say, well, if I believe what you said, well, then all I got to do is just believe and praise God. But you know, it helps to get some agreement, especially if this is brand new to you. These people have been operating in what we're talking about. And you might need some just encouragement. The scripture does say to pray one for another that you might be healed. And so if you're receiving this, if your faith has been quickened and you're now beginning to stand against this, but if you want somebody to help you, I want to invite you to come right now and receive a healing. Maybe you're one of those that, you know, had these thoughts of suicide and you believe that God has done this, but it's, there's power in agreement and just confessing to a person. The Bible says you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And it would be good for you to come down here and say, I'm the one that has struggled with suicide and I'm confessing that it's mine and I want to agree with you. And that would be awesome. You need to seal this deal. If you receive this about finances, you ought to come down here and say, man, I receive this and I'm confessing that I receive this and get somebody to agree with you. Whatever your need is, our prayer ministers are here to help you. So let's just worship the Lord. Let's sing that one more time, Daniel. You, if you need prayer, come forward. Let one of our guys agree with you. And after we sing this song, you'll be dismissed if you need to be.
But come forward and receive prayer. Come forward and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't think I see this guy who asked me about coming to receive the baptism. You need to come down. You need to come down here and receive it. And don't let the devil hold you back. Here you are. Amen. Praise God. Let's worship the Lord. You left out the third verse. word tonight. Scripture says we receive the word, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. We receive the word which is able to save our souls. And Father, we believe that you bring these things that you've spoken back to our remembrance. And Father, I pray that every man goes back home full of praise, full of faith, using their faith and their praise like a weapon to still the enemy and the avenger. And that we are not only going to be free, but that we will set other people free as we praise God. I believe that the Lord is speaking. Some of you, your families have been praying for you while you're here. You might have asked for it and known that they were doing it. Some of you, whether you knew it or not, your families are praying for a breakthrough. And I believe that you got it. I believe you're going to go back a different person. Don't go back and let pride hold you and keep you from repenting and saying, you know what, I'm changing. Don't, don't be afraid. People won't criticize you. People will enjoy it. People will praise God for you, humbling yourself and admitting it. You need to go back a different person. You need to go back and, man, you are determined that you're going to praise God regardless of what comes your way. Amen. Father, we just make a commitment that to the best of our ability, we're going to do this, and we draw on your supernatural ability to help us go beyond ourselves. That this will be more than just our strength, but it will be Christ living through us. Father, we praise you and thank you in advance for the awesome, awesome things that are taking place in the mighty name of Jesus.
Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let me also say, if you are watching on the internet, that you know the same thing that God is doing right here, He can touch you exactly where you are. The same Holy Spirit is with you. You can respond. You can begin to praise God. I believe people have been set free. I believe some of these words tonight are for people watching over the Internet. And so don't let other things distract you. Respond to what God has spoken to you tonight. Praise God. I believe this is going to be a turning point in your life. Amen. Don't forget that we got food back here. We got fellowship. And we will be back here for breakfast at... 7 o'clock in the morning. We have another good breakfast, and we've got two more sessions in the morning. God never serves dessert first. The best is yet to come. Amen. So it'll be awesome tomorrow. Come back and receive the Word of God. You're dismissed.